Sedan and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Sean McBay, head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, will join us at 6 o'clock. Make sure you stay tuned for that. And Mac will join us. Mark Anthony Kay of the LAFC. They'll be back in action here as well. He'll stop by at 6.30. Normally on Fridays, LZ, uh, we have uh, – we will the last segment will be dedicated to just uh, movie talk and some fun Ooh. with Ben Lyons. But he's on the East Coast uh, this week for something. So he said it was too late for him to do that time. So, you know. Oh, well, well, it's okay. Well, we can still do movies. I mean, yeah, I'm down to I mean, do that anyway. I mean, it's not so like, you and it's I not like we had – yeah, I was like, I've, I've seen movies before. Yeah, we can, we can uh, talk about movies. Hey, I need to do a new song, by the way. What's that? Oh, because the you know, Sedano like, show, right? It needs to be you and yeah. me now. Yeah, yeah. Morales has a great open, you know, and the rejoin, and it's got the it's got the classic Sedano show, which I kind of put on a thin air. But I think I really need to concentrate and come up with something more, just to stay intentional. Yeah. Yeah, I listen. I trust your creativity. I feel like you can make this work, so I'm not. I'm okay right. with it. Well, as soon as Cardi B hits me back, I'm gonna see what we can come up with. <laughs> I don't know if they'll let us air it, but at least yeah. I'll come up with it. Right there, you go. Uh, yeah. Speaking of knowing something, did you know LZ? I'm gonna do mm -hmm. a little. I'm gonna have a little. Did a couple of do, did you knows today? Uh, right. Did you know that uh -huh. chocolate milk? I read this today. It's incredible. I had no idea. Did you know where chocolate milk was invented? Doesn't it come from chocolate cows? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, do you know what country invented chocolate milk? No. Would you like to tell me? Greg, would you like to take a guess? What country invented chocolate milk? Finland. Finland? Finland? I don't know. Why not? Finland. Why you told Finland? Me to, you told me to take a guess, so I, I made a guess. What's wow. the okay, relax, dude. <laughs> wow. I'm not upset. You chose like one of the whitest nations on the planet for something chocolate? <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> That's my point, yes. Uh, Lauda. Lauda. I'm going to call you Lauda from now on. Chocolate milk, what country? Germany? No, also another very white country. Oh. Yeah, but they have that well, German chocolate, chocolate cake. They, they do have, have German chocolate. That is true. Excellent yeah, yeah. point, Elsie. Yeah. Uh, Jamaica. I found out today hey, that chocolate milk, yes, was invented in Jamaica. According to Britain's Natural History Museum, Irish botanist Sir Hans Sloan spent time in Jamaica in the early 1700s where he was introduced to a cocoa drink by the local people. But the drink they offered him made him nauseous. He mixed it with milk to make it more palatable, hence chocolate milk. Huh. Boom. So because he was too soft and couldn't handle the real drink, he came yeah. up with something BS and that's what we're drinking? Yeah. Well, listen, it's kind of like me. I didn't like milk as a kid, and I had to drink, like, chocomil, you know? Like, I had to drink the uh, Hispanic version of it, you know? Little, well, it's little okay. You shouldn't powder. like milk, George. Yeah. You should Like, milk is only good for it. And Greg and I had this conversation yesterday, Greg, right? I told we, you we did. drinking milk <laughs> should be reserved for things like chocolate cake, maybe some brownies, and well, chocolate cookies. But you shouldn't be drinking chocolate milk like if you have like, hair in your chest or something. Like if you're if you pass puberty, you shouldn't be drinking milk. What was your chocolate milk? Um, your go-to chocolate milk as a kid was it like Nesquik? What was the other one? Yoo-hoo? George, don't you remember? We were broke. Couldn't afford no damn chocolate milk. <laughs> we're still, what the hell? You wanted chocolate milk? This was chocolate milk. You got a Hershey Kisses and you chewed it up and then you drank the milk. Okay, that was there you chocolate go. Milk. That there was chocolate go. milk. We didn't have space or room or money in the budget for a totally separate uh, container of chocolate milk. But I will say I've made up for it 
if you can count chocolate martinis. I've yeah. more than made up for not having chocolate milk with the yeah. chocolate martinis. Now, Laura, did you did you have chocomil when you were a little kid or no? I did, but we also it was a little expansive sometimes. So we used to do the right? Hershey syrup, and oh, we would okay. just throw it in the milk. That works too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that works too. But you know, chocomil in Jamaica. If, if you, yeah, but it all began in Jamaica. Who knew? Eight seven 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 ten ESPN. We'll get to your calls here in a second. Real quick, LZ, the Warriors got the number two pick in the draft. So Minnesota got one. Uh, the assumption is maybe LaMelo Ball goes to play with D'Angelo Russell. So another ball brother uh, with, with D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, you know. Uh, well, actually, he never actually got to play with Lonzo. So there was, there was oh, that's, that. Right? That's true. That's that. um, he got trade. I, I would assume they would trade the pick. Because. You're you saying know, the Warriors. Yeah. I would assume they would trade the pick. Because the guys are too old. The guys are definitely. I think Steph is thirty now. Clay is like flirting with it. Draymond Green might be thirty, but he's nearing thirty-five 30. physically. Yeah, they're actually all over thirty at this point. They're all over. Yeah, so there's no Zion, right? There's no clear-cut transformative no. player that's going to change your franchise. Yeah. So why bother with an unproven kid? Even someone who's had talent, you know. And I've seen Melo over the years. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen him since you know he left school, but. You know, when what I saw was a guy that has some offensive skill, um, but I mean, he's going to be Michael Porter Jr. as far as defense is concerned. So, in my opinion, you trade the pick and you get yourself another veteran that that's been shoehorned or crowbarred away from a franchise that's not going anywhere, and then you roll that out. Yeah, I would take Wiseman if I were them because they're going to need – like, I know that they're in win-now mode, but I think that kid has got real talent. Like, he was going to be the consensus number one guy had he gotten a chance to play. The problem is he didn't play very much because we had – obviously had the situation right. with his family and, you know, Anthony Hardaway and all that. Um, but I think he's like – I think he's like a hybrid between Chris Bosh and Amari Stoudemire. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's I really a like him. high bar, man. That's a yeah, high bar. Well, remember, I, I, Mike Miller and I know, you know, go way back. And, you know, Mike was his, the assistant coach for Anthony Hardaway. And he, yep. he's, he's the one that told me that's what this kid is going to be. Hey, man, is Mike Miller light-skinned? <laughs> no, he's white. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. He's, he's, just got, he's from South he's Dakota, got, man. He's got so much, dog. He's just got he, so he's much. He's from South Dakota. He's one of the he's best like, dudes you'll ever meet, man. He's like John B. and like Robin Thicke before he went crazy, like rolled up into one. <laughs> He's the best dude. He's one of the best dudes you'll ever talk to. He's such a nice dude. He's And let me tell you something. Um, you know, I know people expected him to be a superstar or whatever. He was really damn good. He made a couple all-star teams. He was really teams. good, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even, like, people remember him as a role player now, but his first five or six years in the league, he was balling. He was just on bad yeah. teams. You know? He was rookie of the year, right? Yes, he was rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah he was I mean, yeah. and handles. I mean, he, he balled. He, he was a baller. swagger. He was a baller. He he yeah. was cut from that same cloth of, like, you know, white chocolate and, yes. you know, yes. Rex, yes. Rex Chapman when Rex had hops. Right. Like, he yeah. was. he's from that cut. Yep, he is absolutely from that cup for sure. Let's go to the phones. People want to weigh in on the Lakers and AD and what the challenge is about AD playing center. How do you manage that if you're Frank Vogel? 877-710-ESPN. Uh, Human is in Glendale. Human, how are you, sir? Good, guys. How you doing? Longtime fan. Love your show. Uh, I'm a big Raiders fan. I'm 45. My family, we call 
Allegiant, the Super Roomba. It does look like a Roomba. Super Roomba. It does look like a Roomba. That's just rude. I'm a big Lakers fan. I, I don't think it's a problem, man. Last 15 seasons, almost every team hasn't been running a center. Centers are rare these days. Like, they just put five athletes out there. Um, so I think LZ, I mean, I'm old school like you, but, I mean, guys like Kevin Durant, Magic Johnson, they wouldn't have been who they are if they were just playing their big role. So I'll take your answer off the air. Thank you, guys. What do you make of it, LZ? Yeah. As far as? What he said, what he asked you. I mean, listen, I, I, I believe Magic would have been Magic no matter what. You know, before there was magic i do believe was paul pressy was a was a point forward for yeah uh yeah you know so i mean we've always experimented and even back in the day oscar robertson was considered big for a point right. guard for back in right. the day so mm-hmm. we, we've always had these kind of highly skilled athletes and, and you know domestically anyway who were bigger than what we were used to seeing um i just think that if you're a seven footer there's no reason why you still can't be in the blocks. There's, I mean, it's like I, I get that the skill set has grown and has changed, and we've we've adopted a lot of things that we've you know seen over in Europe. I get all of that, mm-hmm. but it still doesn't mean that a hook shot as a seven footer shooting a hook shot still can't be effective. That, that that I don't get, George. Can you can you help me out? Like why why the complete abandonment of low post play? Um, I don't think it's complete. I think you see more of it in the playoffs than you do in the regular season. I think that would be would that be fair to say because things kind of can get a little um, a little more physical, right? Uh, in the playoffs, even still now, uh, even in today's day and age. But I just think that the game it's a lot like baseball in a lot of ways, right? Like baseball, the shift and and analytics has changed the way that baseball has been viewed. It's not as tactical as it once was, and. Uh, you know, Greg Popovich talks about this all the time, that the game is not as pretty because of it. Um, but it, there's a lot of scoring, and people like scoring. And I, I think that I, I think that ends up winning out, right? Like, I think that's what ends up happening, is that offense drives viewership for the most part. I, I guess. I mean, it's just I – don't, I don't know, man. If I, if, I was a, if I was a seven-footer, I would shoot the jumper, no doubt about it, but I would still would love the thrill of just dunking on people, having people be afraid of me, you know, humiliating people. Some of my favorite moments, some of everyone's favorite moments. I know that viewership loves scoring, but what we really love is play at the rim, just like we love play at the plate. You know, home runs are great, but come on, nothing gets your juices really flowing like seeing a play at the plate, right? Well, that's what dunking is. Dunking's a play at the plate. It's, right. a, it's, it's, it's two men trying to go at it, and they can't punch each other, but they can punch the ball through the rim. Yeah. And I miss seeing that. I miss seeing that excitement. Yeah, no, but I still – look, I think people – like analytics has you getting at the rim. Like, they don't care. If you're doing it in the restricted area, they're fine with it. They want shots in the restricted area, and they want threes, particularly corner threes. That's that's really the deal. Um, let me go to Alec in Whittier. Alec, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, George? What's up, LZ? Uh, what's up, the, bro? The, the biggest thing about the Lakers, their greatest advantage, has always been their length. Everyone talks about their length, especially when you have Javel or Dwight at the five, you have AD at the four. With this in particular matchup, the Blazers can match up with our length, and that's the Correct. biggest thing that we see in game one, right? So now game two, 
you put AD more at the five, and it worked out. I just think it's based off matchups. I mean, next round we're going to see right. probably Houston. Hopefully the Lakers get through this. Well, round Houston, you're going to have to see like, him there too because you're not going to be. Able, I mean, I guess you can play big with them and see if they if they do okay. But if they start draining a bunch of threes on you, Alec, then you know you may need to match up with them. You know, right? I think the biggest thing what the Lakers did in Game Two was they controlled the pace. They dictated things. There was moments of the game, if like especially in the second half, AD is like clapping at Alex Caruso like, "Hey, slow down. We don't need right. to go anymore." Right at that point, we're at thirty points. But ultimately, it's the pace that we control because with LeBron, the ball in his hand, obviously we need Rondo back, that second ball possession type player. But yeah. it just depends on matchups. And I think ultimately what, what they did in game two, they just seem to kind of just continue to reciprocate that. Because when you have JaVale or Dwight in the middle, that also means Hassan Whiteside's in the middle with you. Correct. He's the kind of problem he's done to us already. Yeah, yeah, and thank you for the call, Alec. Have a great weekend. Um, same yeah. to Human, who called earlier as well. Um, LZ, you know, we've talked about that part of it, um, but let me ask you specifically about this series because Dame's got the busted hand, but it's on the offhand. Yep. It's on the offhand. Uh, he says he's going to play, so we don't even have to worry about it. Uh, yep. Terry Stotts also said that. But where are you on this series right now? Um, it's it's one one, so it's. But do you think it's, it's, it's a, like it's do you think about- it's foregone conclusion or do you think that now that the Lakers have figured it out or do you think that you need to see game three before you make that determination all right so KCP shot four of six do you think that's a thing I don't I wouldn't count on him consistently doing that well then the series isn't over okay fair enough (laughs) because he was four of six and then everyone else with the exception of AD was pretty much atrocious from out there LeBron was 0 for 3 Danny Green was one for four. I don't know what the hell happened to him. Um, J.R. Smith, three for nine. Caruso's one of four. So, I mean, you had one perimeter player and KCP have a pretty good three-point shooting night. Um, he had four of the 14 threes. So, if yeah. you don't believe in that, which I don't and you don't, then there's no reason to believe the Lakers have figured it out. Right. Um, so, I still think we're in a series. It's 1-1. I've long said this isn't an eighth seed. Other people have gotten on board and said this isn't an eighth seed. We need to view this as a Western Conference Finals matchup and stop looking at this as a first-round matchup. I agree. A first-round matchup, then, yeah, you go, we won the first game. Now we're going, we're cooking. Now we're just going to finish them off winning five. But if you thought about this as a Western Conference matchup, you wouldn't hardly consider the series over. That's how we need to think about it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stick with my Lakers and six prediction from the beginning of the uh, before this. That's series. what I have. That's okay. what I have. Lakers so and six. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to see how that goes. Hey, we're going to take more of your calls here in a second. We're not going to go to break. So eight seven 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 ten ESPN. Plus, I want to get uh, some interesting Dodgers stuff that we have out there in just a second, and we'll take more of your calls on the Lakers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, 
visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. LZ, before we get back to the calls here in a second, I wanted to talk some Dodgers here with you for a second because they are really in control right now. And that's probably the best way to describe it. They're 19-8, and eight, four games up on the Padres. Padres are exciting, too. I, 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 yeah. I'm looking forward to that matchup for many years, to be honest with you. Years? Yeah, huh. the Padres are really young. Huh. I, I just – I see them and I go, I don't know. I Yes, they're talented. Yes, they're young. But I don't know if you're here to last. Oh, like I the, think so. Like I don't, I don't know. I think I Fernando know. Tatis Jr. is going to be in the conversation for top three, four player in the game. I think he's probably he might be there now. Why? Oh, he's incredible. I mean, defensively, he's incredible. He's hit thirty home runs in how many? Greg, how many games has he played? He hasn't even played like a full season of games yet, right? Uh, no, he. I think he missed a couple of games, but he's been the, basically the best hitter in all of baseball this year. Yeah, he's been incredible. Um, I think he is a like a star in the making, and you know I, I think baseball, if they're smart, you know this is a different conversation, LZ. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, you and I've had these conversations for years that baseball does a bad job of marketing. Well, here yep. you have you've got Mike Trout, right, who is yep. the best player in the sport. You've got an African American player in Mookie Betts who is arguably in the top two, right? And yep. you'll have the Latino star of Fernando Tatis Jr. If baseball screws this next generation up, if, it's on them. If? <laughs> okay, when baseball screws the next generation up, it's on them. It's going to be on them. But I, I just I just pause. I just always pause until, until I start seeing what happens in the postseason. I just reserve these sort of accolades until, until then. You know, it's it's like yeah, and, but it's tough and, in baseball because outside of this year, most years you only get a handful of teams, six teams, whatever it is, that actually make the postseason. So it's it's a little tougher in that sense. Well, I get it's tough, but that's why I save all my high accolades for those who make it across that finish line. Why? Because it's tough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I that's mean, a team I, thing. I don't know if I blame it on the player, individual player, as much. You know, no, it's what they do in the postseason. Once they're there, is what you're saying. Once they're there, gotcha. And if gotcha. and if they don't get there, then I'm still going to look at them side eyed. I okay. I treat baseball the way I treat every sport. I know you don't, and I know a lot of people don't. Yeah. I know people view baseball, and they're not wrong in this. You treat baseball like an individual sport, masquerading as a team sport. I get I that. It's like gymnastics. I understand that. Trust yes. me, I get it. I still run it through the same filter when it comes to talking about all-time greats. Because to me, to me, when you talk about all-time greats, we almost always go to postseason performance first. Right. And we talk about championships and talk about big plays and big moments when it matters most. And I don't want to change the rules for baseball because it's trickier to analyze with numbers or that it's harder or that it's not fair. You know, it's like yeah, I, 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 I'm just I, going to. I, I'm, I'm. That's just the way that I'm wired, man. It's just. No, I get it. All I of just, our, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. All see of that. our great baseball players. Yeah. You don't get called Mister July. You don't get called <laughs> Mister August. Right. There's a reason for that. Yeah. You know, this isn't my rule. This yeah. is. This is just the way that it is, man. 
Yeah. Kershaw looked great, by the way. Uh, speaking yep. of uh, playoff performances, he has had some ups and downs in those. Uh, but a vintage night for him. And, uh, and man, like – Here's the thing, LZ. One quick, one quick question for you as far as baseball before I get to a call real quick and then we can move on. Um, did you realize the trade deadline is in 10 days? That's just wild to me to think about that. So do you think the Dodgers need anything? Like what would you do? More, more relief pitching, I guess? You always feel like you I, need I, some of that. Right? You always need more relief pitching. Yeah. You always need more relief pitching. And if you could find a, a disgruntled bat that won't cost you much, I'm not anti doing that either because AJ Pollock, well, we know his health history. So um, I wouldn't mind, but if nothing happened, I'm okay with that. Gotcha. And this is the first time in like four plus years or four years or whatever of doing radio in LA in which I've said those words. If the Dodgers don't make a move, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Every yeah. other year, I've been like, make a move, make a Yeah, trade, no, I get it. Draft For somebody. Sure. They're, they're pretty this, loaded. Yeah. They're pretty loaded, man. Yeah. They are pretty loaded, and there's no reason to to add anything unless it's something you really can't turn down. Right. Like if DeGrom all of a sudden becomes available for whatever reason. Like you don't turn that down. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to do this because we're, we're over the break here, and my girl Karen is sitting there waiting. So those of you on hold, hang out. We're going to take your calls uh, at, in the next segment at 877-710-ESPN. Sean McVay is going to stop by at 6 o'clock. Uh, Mac, Mark Anthony K of the LAFC at 630. Uh, but we'll take more of your Lakers calls in a second. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tonight on LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Sean McVay going to join us in 15 minutes, the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams. You and I, LZ, were talking about the Sixers-Celtics game. Uh, it's a close game. It's a five-point game. Celtics with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Philly's kind of trying to fight before they do uh, one, two, three Cancun. Um, <laughs> you, uh, we were talking about who would you trade. I would keep Simmons. I would trade Embiid. Uh, I just think that Ben can guard your best player. Their offense moves better with Ben out there. Um, I think that whatever comes in, we'll, we'll give it a try with both of them one more one more time uh, when when – they clean house, which is inevitable, it seems like. Um, but you you are not. You like calling him Derek McKee, Ben Simmons. I call him Derek McKee, which is not an insult, by the way. I don't know why oh, you think that's an insult. insult, actually. Yes. Why? Derek McKee was a baller, dude. <laughs> Handles, could shoot, could pass, could rebound, could defend. What the hell else you want from a, from a wing player? I mean, Derek McKee averaged 11 points in his career, four rebounds. and two It was assists. a different era. It was a different era. If Derek McKee played in this era, he would average at least 16 points a game. No. Yes, that's what, that's more threes are being shot, and he was a three-point shooter back then. So certainly he would be a better three-point shooter now. You're sleeping on Derek McKee, man. I'm telling you. So You're anyway, on um, I, you would keep, <laughs> I, would keep, I would keep Joel and Joel. Mm. I would keep him for a number of reasons. One, I think he's more talented. Um, two, um, I like the fact that if I know if I know that like one of my guys are down and I just need someone to pick up the slack and score some buckets, I know he can do that for me. 
And I don't know if Ben Simmons can do that for me. I don't. I know he can oh, get everyone man, he involved. he gets to the rim pretty easily. No, 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 no. I didn't say he couldn't score. I'm talking about one of those, you know, 45, 15, and three block kind of performances that you could get out of a Joel Embiid because he's a complete offensive package. Whereas Ben Simmons, we know he's not. And so if they decide to throw the Yeah, I don't but Joel know. but Ben Simmons is a triple double threat every night. Who cares? What? <laughs> Who cares? Russell Westbrook averaged a triple double for multiple seasons. That got them nowhere. I mean, okay. But he also I mean, defends way better than Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm just saying the triple-double statistic, I think, has taken a hit. Sure, in but, a, I, but a, when you add it with a guy who can actually defend, like that's completely different. Yeah, but he can't shoot, dog. He, he can't shoot. And he even can't. If he can't even if and he you can't know what? He's, he's, the, he's the worst combo, right? He's the guy that can't shoot and won't shoot. Okay. Like Lonzo, Lonzo Ball couldn't shoot, but at least he shot. And you know why that's important? I'll tell you why that's important. When you execute your offense and you get the shot that's a wide open shot, that's a success for your offense, whether it goes in the bucket or not. Yeah. Because the offense isn't simply about whether or not you scored, it's how you scored. And with a guy like a Ben Simmons, if he doesn't take the shot, you're like, well, did that work? <laughs> did that play work? Because um, now he's dribbling again, and well, now they've reset their defense, and I'm not quite sure. No one in the NBA created more open three-point opportunities than Ben Simmons this season. That is a statistical fact. So? And he doesn't have shooters, and they still were able to do that kind of stuff. You know why they don't have shooters? Because he can't shoot. There you go. Thank you for moving my point. <laughs> you know what Ben Simmons is? Bergman, do you know what he is? He's a future Laker. Hashtag future Laker. Jason is in Downey. Jason, what's up? Yo, shout out to Chocomil. Um, I remember hey, I had hey. breakfast from like kindergarten all the way to third grade and it probably had no nutritional value whatsoever. None. But when it, when it comes to 80 at the five, I wholeheartedly agree with both of you guys. He, uh, there was a moment yesterday where I think he was playing the five and he brought up the ball and it was just those, those guard handles that he has. And uh, I remember at his press conference, he kind of laughed and smiled at Frank and said, Coach, whatever you need me to play, I'll play. I'm going to need Coach Vogel to pull up some receipts and be like, all right. I'm calling in this favor again. Have a good day, guys. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Right. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. Yeah, I hate Frank's the fact good. that he, I hate the fact he characterized it as a favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But it would be right. Yeah, and that's the issue. That's yeah. my issue. It yeah. shouldn't be a favor asking Correct. your seven footer to be down in the blocks. We we are in a million percent <laughs> agreement for sure. Alan is in North Hollywood. Alan, how are you? How you doing, guys? Um, I know we're in a hurry to get to the Rams here, so um, I just want to bring up a, a can of worms. That um, uh, do you think there's uh, too many leaders on the Lakers? Because uh, I see a Jason Kidd doing a lot more coaching than Frank Vogel, and I and I know uh, that uh, LeBron James is the leader on the uh, uh, on the court. But uh, do you think Jason Kidd uh, is doing more leading on the bench than Frank Vogel? Uh, thanks for the call, Alan. I mean, there's a lot of assistants, LZ, who are up and at them and doing stuff in the NBA. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that are vocal and stuff. Like, that's not irregular. It's not. And, you know, you and I both have been around the league a long time. We've seen a lot of coaching staffs over the years. And I would say, from my perspective, the one thing the Lakers don't have a problem with 
is the hierarchy of leadership. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen any evidence of it. And, you know, every game that I've been to, I watch. I watch very, very closely. I watch what's happening on the bench. I watch who's participating in timeouts, who's enthusiastic, who's not enthusiastic, who's paying attention to whom, who's wandering, drifting off to the side, the whole thing. And I've seen a bunch of teams that had issues with leadership demonstrate bad body behavior during timeouts. I have not seen that for the Lakers. Yeah, I'm with you 100% for sure. Jay is in L.A. Jay, what's up? Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I think there's two reasons why the Lakers are putting AD at the five, and then if I could quickly touch on what LZ was trying to say before. Um, number one, because in game one, Hassan Whiteside was, I think he was locking up that middle and you know stopping a lot of those driving lanes for LeBron and some other guys, and when you put just one center out there, AD at the five, you force Hassan Whiteside not to be able to play. And number two was because I think that the Lakers, if you look at their defense, whenever Lillard or McCollum or even the other guard, Trent, had the ball up top and he started dribbling in, what they did was is they brought the, the other Laker defender from whichever side the guy was driving at to double and cut off that drive, and then everyone just rotated around. And when you have two bigs on the court, you can't rotate around like that and you can't cut off that driving lane. And then on what Elsie was trying to say before, about uh, AD going inside. I think the difference between Game One and Game Two was that in Game One, uh, AD was he kept settling, he kept driving and then settling for that that seven eight foot jumper and he, he would fade away. Yeah. I think yesterday what he did was he kept on going and he actually went straight to the basket and when he faded he actually faded in and the effect of going all the way to the basket and fading in is that when he has the ball up top and that big man has to come guard him. That big man stands farther away, and he gets that open three because he's scared of him driving in. No, you're right. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. I mean, look, LZ, he was also shaking and baking at the top of the key. Like, he was putting moves on people. It was just as simple as that. So, hey, Sean McVay's going to join us in a couple of minutes. You ready for that? I'm very excited. I love Sean. Yes. So the Rams head coach, Sean McVay, will join us at the top of the hour. What you need to know is coming up next, including – what you need to know about the next NBA season. When is it actually going to start? Adam Silver told our Rachel Nichols. We'll tell you in two and a half minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Sedat and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. Sean McVay going to join us in a couple of minutes, but we'll tell you what you need to know first. LZ, Adam Silver did an interview with Rachel Nichols yesterday after the draft lottery, and Rachel asked... Mr. Silver, about the beginning of next season. When will it start? The word was December 1st. Here's what the commissioner said. December 1, now that we're working through this season, is feeling um, a little bit early to me. I think our number one goal is to get fans back in our arenas. My sense is, and working with the Players Association, if we could push back even a little longer and it increase the likelihood of having fans in arenas, that's what we, we, we would be targeting. So let me ask you this, LZ. They want to have fans in the arenas, as he said, and they'll, they would push the process back a little bit if they had to. So if you were the NBA, which includes the players, the owners, and everyone involved, right, do mm-hmm. you wait 
and not make the revenue, right? Because if you're sitting idly by, at some point you're not going to make money. If you're anybody, if you're the players or the owners, do you sit out and lose revenue or do you go with regional bubbles and at least play some and get the TV money? What do you do? Oh, you definitely choose door number two. You know, unless, you know, something miraculous happened medically, which even all the things that I've heard as well as talked to scientists over the last few months in terms of the vaccination, even if they develop one, it still is going to be a year before they can actually get it out to the people right. to even make sense for fans. So you look at the bubble, you plan for the bubble, you actually just say that's what we're doing so that no one has any questions. Right, because the talk is four regional bubbles. They'll have one in the Northeast, one in like the Southeast, one in the Midwest, and one in the West. And that's how they'll do it. Uh, and, the, and you will only play the teams that are in those particular bubbles. That seems to be the potential plan moving forward. Yeah, I mean, obviously everyone's holding their breath and hoping for the best. But Adam Silver is a very smart man, perhaps one of the most smartest commissioners in sports history. He's going to play it towards the numbers and towards science. He's not going to care about your feelings, and that's a good thing. Next, we move on to some trade rumors. This morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, Jay Williams said he's heard some rumblings about Lonzo Ball maybe being moved out of New Orleans. Here's what Jay Will said this morning on the That's station. what it is. Like, if you accepting the kids, you're going to accept the dad because that's what comes with it. So think about this. With Lonzo went from L.A., to New Orleans, and now I'm hearing things around New Orleans that potentially Lonzo may be used as a trading asset in New Orleans, right? So think about who, all right, LaMelo won't go number one, he won't go number two, unless the Warriors decide to use him as a trading asset. But then think about the third pick, the Charlotte Hornets. Who owns the Charlotte Hornets? Le, uh, Michael right. Jordan. Yes. And how much trash have we heard LeVar talk about he could beat Michael Jordan when in a one-on-one -on -one game? I'm just saying, and Charlotte in New Orleans, right? So think about who, all right, LaMelo won't go number one. He won't go number two unless the Warriors decide to use him as a trading okay, asset. Okay, we already heard the cut. But then we? think about the third pick, the Charlotte Hornets. Who yeah, owns this? It sounds like the cut was on, uh, you know, play, it played twice there. Um, so anyway, LZ. Remix. Uh, Lonzo, <laughs> being traded already? I mean, there were reports that, Lonzo didn't look interested in the bubble when it restarted. Now, maybe that was because he didn't think he had a chance to win, and he was like, what am I doing? Or maybe it's what I've always said about Lonzo, which is this. He doesn't love the game. He's great at it. He's got the body for it. He's a hell of an athlete, but he doesn't love it. It doesn't consume him. And sometimes he plays like that. And so it doesn't surprise me that, you know, some guys may want to move him or a new ownership or new leadership want to move him because you don't want to be in a situation where it's contract time and you're trying to decide whether or not you want to re-sign this guy when you know he may not have all that love for the game. Move him now before you have to deal with any of those number situations. You know, LZ, it's interesting you say that. So early in my career, I covered a guy in the NFL that was like that, now more talented than Lonzo in Ricky Williams. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll never forget, I spoke to one of Ricky's teammates one time. Ricky had his greatest game in a snow game in Buffalo. He rushed for like 220 yards, something crazy like that. And he didn't want to play in the game. Like, the guy told me the story that Ricky came to him. He's like, man, I don't think I can play today. And he's like, 
what's wrong? Are you hurt? Like, is everything okay? And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I just, I don't feel like it. it's kind of cold. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, are you crazy? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's too cold. He's like, yo, they're going to kill you if you say that. Like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, all right, fine, whatever, I'll play. And he rushed for 220 yards. You know what I mean? Like, so it, there are ju- you're right. There are some people like that, that just, they don't love it. And, you know, clearly his dad loves it for him. And maybe that plays a role in this too, you know? Yeah, you know, maybe, you know, I just know, and all the times that I've been around him, and I really like Lonzo the person. Correct. And I've liked the fact that he's growing in front of all of us, and he's a he's a good kid, and, and the whole nine. But me and my boys, we shoveled snow in Detroit so we could play 21 in the dead of winter because we love ball. I don't think Zoe would have been out there shoveling snow to play 21 <laughs> out in the code because I don't think he loves ball like that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, there's talk about him and LaMelo maybe in, in Detroit. Your, your old town, speaking oh, of Detroit. Oh, man, we'd have been through enough. Oh, no, dog. The ball boys. LaVar had, in Detroit. Come on. You know, the, la- the last time we had a number two pick, it was Darko Milicic. Please, yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. So there you no. Go. And <laughs> one last thing for you, Mavs. And Clippers game three tonight. Who you got, LZ? I got the Mavs. Oh. I think if the Mavs had not had the referees have that bogus-ass ejection of, of, of Porzingis, they very well could be up 2-0. Because the one thing that's abundantly clear, they have, and this may sound crazy, but they have no answer for Luka Doncic. None. Like, no answer whatsoever, regardless of who they put in front of them. And it's quite astounding to see this. But Luca's out there playing high school pickup basketball against some of the best defenders in the league, and he's making it look easy. So unless there's you know some weird coaching thing happening that I can't see between Paul George tweeting that he doesn't care what we think and him not being able to guard Luka Doncic, I think they're going to get this one too. Wow. Now, I think the Clippers whooped their ass today. I think that they're tired of hearing all this stuff about how this team can now beat them and we're sleeping on them and they're not looking good. I think it's one of those nights where they're just like, they flex. You know what I'm saying? And they show people, oh, this is why they're title favorites. I think it's one of those nights. I, 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 just, I just think that sometimes there are bad matchups even for great teams. No, you're right. You're right. That does happen. There's no doubt. And this this could very well be. I mean, seriously, if if Porzingis doesn't get ejected, you know they win that game, right? Like they're up two zero. Yeah, yeah. I'm with so, you. This isn't hate for the Clippers. I love the Clippers. I love the guys on the team. Love the owner, the whole nine. But they ain't got no answer for Luca, man. None. Laura, Laura, <laughs> what what happened, Laura? What happened? What's going on? I just said, let them get smashed. I mean, I love when the Clippers <laughs> lost. That was like, that made my day. That just made my day. Can we just, like, that should happen every game. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know if it's going to happen every game. I just think unless they have a new defensive scheme besides just throw Kawhi on them, they may be in trouble because they, they can't slow this kid down. Game one, he played awful, and he dropped the most points of anyone at his age in the postseason. And he didn't have a good game. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. All right. That's what you need to know. And uh, they'll be taking on game three tonight. Yeah. I I, uh, I am predicting a Clipper win tonight. 
I think it's one of those flex games. But we'll see. I've known to be wrong plenty of times. So we'll see how that works itself out. So we're waiting for Sean McVay to join us here in a second. Um, LZ, as we get ready to talk Rams with him, what are your biggest concerns heading into this Rams season? My biggest concern really is the development and growth of Jared Goff. And when it comes to replacing the production of Todd, Todd Gurley, I don't think that's going to be nearly as big as an issue as whether or not Jerry Goff has developed finally a sixth sense to know when that pocket is closing, mm-hmm. to be more cautious with the ball, and also to be more sure of himself as a leader. This is now his team, definitively his team. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go as far as his growth goes. So my biggest concern truly is about whether or not Jared Goff is ready to ascend to that next tier of quarterbacking. Even the year, George, in which he got them to the Super Bowl, he had fantastic numbers, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like he, it was his team. Yeah. Right? Now it's his team. Right. Now I need to see him become the man for yeah, the Rams. It, it's about the maturation process, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. So we'll, So that's my biggest concern. What about you? Um, I'd like to see the offensive line and that's kind of boring, but they went from, you know, a top five, six offensive line in 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl to one of the worst in the league last year. And for Jared Goff to have success because he's not Mr. Mobile, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that they need to establish some dominance back on that offensive line. So to have what you want to happen, I think they need to have the offensive line fixed first. But, but, but here's the thing, though, right? And I agree with you about the offensive line. But when the offensive line isn't up to snuff, you can still do things to extend the, the, your time in the pocket if you have that kind of field awareness. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't demonstrated a great deal of field awareness, in my opinion. You know, when you think about some of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen, they know how to get an extra two seconds by simply sliding their feet one step to the left. And even when you have poor offensive lines, the reason why Phillip Rivers, God rest his soul, got destroyed was because he simply wasn't able to move his feet even a little bit. He was shot in terms of his legs. But there have been other QBs who have had you know, suspect offensive lines who've been able to at least maximize a little bit more time just by being able uh, aware of where the pressure is coming and just gently moving out of the way. And we need to see that or a lot more of that from Jared Goff. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, I do think you need to see a semblance of his maturation process, right? Like, I think you need to see glimpses of that. And and I think that you need to see him continue to progress, right? Um, So I I think that that, those are all fair questions. And we'll ask Sean McVay, the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, that and much more. Sean, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time. Hope everyone is safe and healthy. But before we get into football, you know me, Sean. I got to start at other places. Um, I, I, I heard a story that while you've been filming Hard Knocks, that Mama McVay is not necessarily happy with your language on the show. Can you confirm or deny that, Sean? Oh, he's not there. I thought you said he was well, there. My bad. Well, hold on, hold on. I got you. Well, George, you got to understand, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, when my mother hears what I have to say, you know, she doesn't necessarily appreciate the way in which I say it. And I can understand that. Oh, that's my bad. My bad. I thought you okay. said he's there. 
No, uh, I said Karen's there. <laughs> my, okay, that's fine. So here's what well, I do. Ka well, Karen, mama didn't like your language either. What do you got to say about well, that? Listen, I worked with Karen. I know she's got a potty mouth, KK. <laughs> you still have a potty mouth? Yes. Kyle, do I still have a potty mouth? I lost my husband. Yes. He gets angry at me. Yes. All right. So, so KK, we're going to go to break yeah. and we're going to get Sean McVay. But you got to tell us without your potty mouth if the traffic is getting any better on a Friday.